It's February the 18th, 2016, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti. Also on the show we have Brendan Mellon, Melican. <laughs> Whatever that guy's Brendan name is. Brendan Mellon, <laughs> Victor Infante, <laughs> and Chad Julian of That's Entertainment. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. And so this is a, a bit of a different uh, episode. This show is always a nerdy show because we're just so obsessed by Worcester politics, which is something that even Worcester politicians should not be that obsessed about. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about other other uh, other nerdy interests of people in Worcester, specifically pop culture. There's a great wave of nerd pop culture that we're experiencing, and uh, today we're here in That's Entertainment, which people will know. We're we're like in the back room, the Magic the Gathering Magic room. Magic the Gathering room, or the uh, place where we put stuff and we can't find any other room for it. So, so <laughs> I was going to introduce this store, but you should introduce the store. Sure. Uh, That's Entertainment is a staple in Worcester for over 35 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, we used to live on Chandler Street back in the day and until the early 90s when they moved here to this location. Uh, it's one of the biggest what we call pop culture emporiums in the state. Mm -hmm. uh, we have about 20,000 square feet. 10,000 of that is retail space and gaming uh, space like this. Mm -hmm. um, we do everything that you would imagine that you're proud of your childhood and we sell it back to you. When you've reached <laughs> a ripe old age when you can afford it again. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, how long have you been around? Um, I've been here for nine years. I'll be uh, a decade in November. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so I guess I, guess I want to ask people, um, I, I, I struggle a little bit with how to exactly connect all this nerd culture stuff to Worcester. So I guess I want to ask people, like, from your vantage point on the city of Worcester. Oh, we should mention our other guests. Hi. <laughs> from here, so here's Victor Infante, who writes about pop culture, among many other things, for the Telegram and Gazette. Hi, Victor. Hello. And uh, I guess I want to ask people, from your vantage point on the city of Worcester, is there, is there pop culture stuff that people in Worcester are excited about this month, this well, week? Well, let me step it back for one thing, because Do there's it. one thing you kind of got to understand about Worcester when it comes to geek culture. Okay. The first thing you see when you enter the city from most directions is a sign that says, home to the father of rocketry. Okay. <laughs> so that's a good sign right there. It really is. There's a huge, it, it's, it's, the city kind of likes to deny it sometimes. It likes to present itself as a hard-boiled working class city, and it is that. Mm -hmm. But there's this really huge geek streak that runs through it, and mm -hmm. um, it's part of, it's, it's, part of it comes from having so many colleges, um, WPI, the video games program at, where is it? Backer. Backer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, those things happen. <laughs> well, I also, and they, ha yeah. they happen a lot, and they have an influence on the city. You know, it's funny you mentioned Robert Goddard. I think, too, of the, the Higgins Armory Museum, mm -hmm. which is a guy who was in the, the metal industry, like, getting super excited about it, building a metal building full of it's armor. It's an action figure collection <laughs> writ large, and yeah. I'm so glad that we've managed to retain most of that, at least. Before you mention that, though, okay. I, mean, I was at the gym last night and talking to a bunch of younger cats, and one of them made a uh, big classic offhand uh, non-local comment of, like, what, what, what good has ever come out of Worcester? And it was instantly, even a lot of non-locals themselves, but who have been there for a while, starting with Dr. Goddard, go, running down the list of great things that have happened in Worcester, and all of them, like, have a thread that ties back to science or just <laughs> sectors that I think the general public would, would not necessarily look at and say, yeah, that defines Worcester, but whether you're talking birth control, spacesuits, you know, I mean, yeah. a, a hearing apparatus for people uh, in, in other orbits, like, it all comes back to Worcester. And, and they were just designed way. here. They were built here. They're manufactured and here. And that's well. a huge, that's where those two strands sort of collide mm -hmm. here in the city. So we really kind of don't 
pretend that sometimes that that's not part of the culture here, but it totally is. It's in the water. It is, and it's. I mean, you go back to you know the origins, I believe, of WPI. But I mean, starting down at Mechanics Hall, that you yeah. know you had the old agrarian economy and whatnot. Uh, a lot of farmers getting together and say, how do we do this better? And you you kind of have that that pre-industrial revolution mindset of like, how are we actually going to change our lifestyle and it, to make our businesses run better? but without even really intending to change the landscape of an entire city in the course of doing so. Yeah, I mean, engineering's in our blood at this point. It's and, and right now, because we're in winter and, you know... The Are we really in winter, though? <laughs> we're, we're technically in winter. <laughs> it, was, we're in winter. it was scheduled as winter. <laughs> um, so when people were making TV and movie schedules, um, they thought this was going to be winter, so... You know the good, the really big movies have just passed us. The big TV TV season starting to come back right now, but you know to get back to your question, people are trending right now. Supergirl, Supergirl okay. is all over this freaking city. Uh huh. Um, people are still talking about Jessica Jones, but Supergirl, yeah. which I think it's wonderful. And this I is don't a, think it's the best. This is a TV show. Yeah, it is the best TV. I don't think it's the best TV show. Uh huh. I think. It is the best TV show for young women that has been on TV in ages. Huh. Better it's than Agent Carter. Huh? Better than Agent Carter. It's <laughs> only in one regard, because she's closer to the, uh, the girl that play the woman who plays Supergirl is closer to a young woman's age. Okay. But and Supergirl's not getting canceled. That's <laughs> 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 true. Now, it, now, nobody's, they haven't come right out and said it, just because she's, um, Haley Atwell's applying for other jobs yes. and shooting new pilots. Um, she got, um, Agent Carter is another one, and I think Jessica Jones oh, yeah. has still got to be talked about. Mm-hmm. This is right now the age of um, we're entering the era of female superheroes, and female superheroes as not just like, window dressing. Right, right. Like, <laughs> oh well, well, we'll we'll do a version of Superman with a dress, and we'll stick her in there sometimes, and that will make all the women really love Superman somehow. Yeah. And we won't, we're not going to treat her as a character or an interesting person. Or Exactly. And Melissa Benoit, who was on Glee before, um, her portrayal of Supergirl is lovely. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's really holding that show on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's got this character who, want, who has power and wants to do right, and she is being constricted by everything around her. And that is the constant wrestling, and I can I can't imagine why young women would associate with that. <laughs> I, want, I want to I want to ask Chad, Chad, sure. as, as somebody who talks to more people about pop culture than maybe anybody else in the city, what are you seeing? What are people excited about these days? Um, speaking of uh, strong female empowerment roles, uh, there's a comic called Miss Marvel. It's uh-huh. been yes. off for about two years now. It's it's amazing, and the, the way to put it basically is a lot of times comic companies or TV shows or whatever, they'll take an established character and they'll throw in, they'll make the person female or they'll make, they give the person a certain race or a gender identity to kind of try and pull in readers. That's kind of a cheap ploy. Yeah. Miss Marvel does it well. She's a young Palestinian American girl living in New York. Uh, she's New a Jersey. Fa- oh, sorry, New Jersey. Sorry, one step below. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, she's a fangirl. She's actually a fan of comics. She runs a bunch of superhero fan sites uh, online, and she's really nerdy about the subject. So when she becomes a superhero herself, it really takes off. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm a young female Palestinian American living in New Jersey, but I think everyone can kind of relate to her. Mm-hmm. She has to basically deal with her family constructs, her religion, you know, friends, family racism, all different types of stuff, and it's, 
it's a really well done book and it's a lot of fun. You know, a, a lot of those um, a lot of those subjects can really weigh a good book down, but they keep it light, they keep it humorous, but they keep it kind of poignant at the same time. Hmm. I really like that. Hmm. You know, I, so here's something I want to ask you about. If you were to ask me this question, what do I what do I see trending in my slice of Worcester that I interact with? It's Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. People who I never would have thought mentioned Dungeons and Dragons mentioned to me Dungeons and Dragons. I used to play so much as a kid. I've not played. I think I calculated because you asked me the other day. I've not played in 25 years. Uh, and so you guys have this game, this games room in yes. here. Do people play D and D in here? We used to have D and D. Mainly, it deals with Magic: The Gathering. Okay. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Magic, it's basically D and D on playing cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's the stripped down version. Uh, it's a billion-dollar industry. It's been going strong since '93, I think, was the first year they had it. Yeah, and my like my understanding was always that that was one of the reasons that like uh, uh, dice and graph paper games like Dungeons and Dragons kind of faded was because Magic was a lot of the things people liked, and it was just a faster it, way it, to it, do it. I, there is some bleed over from Magic to D and D, and vice versa. Uh-huh. But there are two different types of people who really like it. Some people really get into building the character and you know graph paper and getting their miniatures. Yes, sure. I have friends. Uh, Worcester and uh, elsewhere who have entire basements filled with giant board games, uh, giant tables made specifically for miniature gaming. Uh Um, The weird thing is, as much as a geek as I am, and I've been kind of in the culture for most of my life, I've never really had the draw of D&D. I've tried playing a few times in my lifetime. I'd like to think I have a pretty good imagination, Uh but it just never worked out for me. At the same time, I never picked up Magic either because I don't have $10,000 to spend. Yeah. <laughs> I sold my entire collection for $50 like 12 years ago. And if you kept it, it would, uh, I played in 1993. I, I bought a, a couple packs with friends when I was in college. I played a few times, and then I sold my deck for like $100. And I'm pretty sure I could have clo- sold it for close to 1000 now if I still had it, because that was the original 94, 93 deck. But um, what I think is trending now, you probably see a lot of D&D in colleges or a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of gaming groups. Uh, New Cafe over on Chandler Street mm-hmm. has a, a Worcester yeah. board game group. They meet every Wednesday. Okay. Most of the people shop here, and we even have a couple of employees who are part of it too. Okay. Uh, but and, tri- and, and, and they're just they're playing board games. Yeah, like. basically it's the old cafe style. As long as you order a coffee once an hour, they'll let you stay there. And so they're playing like Monopoly or Settlers of Catan or something um, like that. They're playing lots of the board games that come out on a regular basis. House on Haunted Hill, Settlers of Catan. Uh, there's a ton of games I should know the name of right now, but of course, because I'm on film, I'm totally blanking. <laughs> sure. uh, but yeah, um, the board game section is blowing up right now. It's, it's, huh. it's insane. We have try to do at least one monthly board game night or board game demo. So we'll fill this room with about 20 or 30 people. Um, Serana, who's our board game manager, will come in with new games, unbox them, show them how to play, and they'll play for four or five hours. Mm. Then they'll raffle off the open games, and people... Come back, get the games, and usually buy uh, one or two board games themselves. So it's a nice intro into new games, and then a way to kind of get them hooked. And you know, first one's free, then you're gonna pay. You know? there's, there's so many. There's so many board games. I there's actually tons of board games. I actually think that the the people who I know who come to me and mention Dungeons and Dragons are people who I know because they have a bunch of board games, and they're always like, "Hey, do you want to come over and play a game? Let's have a game night." And they're always they always have something new and exciting, board game wise or card game wise. And so that's why, like, hearing Dungeons & Dragons is like having hearing somebody say, I don't know. Like, well, here's, and here's the thing. With Dungeons & Dragons, the first guy who talked to me about Dungeons and, the new 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm actually working on a story about it right now, so. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a gamer. He was a guy who brings people, he and his wife have the, 
20 friends over to play board games. There's like three games going at a time. And this is his thing. So it didn't surprise me that he loved it. And then later I talked to you. And Uh you had been talking about Dungeons & Dragons. And then I talked to my brother-in-law who was playing Dungeons & Dragons all again all of a sudden. And it was everywhere. It was one of those things. And I actually... I have a story in tomorrow's Telegram and Gazette, which will be out by the time this airs. But, um, unless you're really fast. Um, <laughs> but, um, that, um, uh, about late, I went to go play laser tag over at Laser Zone. Okay. I and saw that post on Facebook, sir. That's a very geeky thing indeed. And it, it brought me back to my, you know, being 18 years old again. <laughs> but, um, I was talking to that guy, the guy who owns that, and we were talking about, and somehow Dungeons and Dragons came up, and they, what they have in common is this sort of interactiveness. You have to be social while you're doing it. You're, you can't just be behind a video screen. You can't be just in front of, on your couch with a video game. Mm-hmm. You are dealing with other people, whether you're sitting around talking or you're running around shooting each other with laser beams, or if you're at the escape games over at the Northworks building, which is another, it's a puzzle solving game. Right, room. right. It's, and it's what, that's like, that's the thing that's trending right now. Everybody's mm-hmm. excited about that right now. Um, because so few people have beat any of the rooms. <laughs> oh, uh, really? I failed. I couldn't make it. I didn't make <coughs> well, it. Well, our team of friends beat the museum the other night, so... Oh, I hate <laughs> I hate them. That was the room that got me. Uh, but, yeah, but it's... But these are all just things where people have to interact with each other. And I, a lot of it is a reaction against video games. Uh-huh. That's what I was actually uh, curious to ask you, Chad, was, like, what, are you, what are you seeing today for demographics in the store? Because it's... I mean, so far we've mentioned uh, how you know books are being dominated, or at least uh, you've got a wave of strong female characters coming in. Um, talking about young people coming, or just seeing folks in the shop while simultaneously we already mentioned Becker with their video game program. And yep. I think the average person probably thinks that you know a lot of what you have in here is something from a bygone era or something that's dying. While simultaneously, in, in market share may be changing. Right. But simultaneously, you know, I've got an 11 year old son, and I, I don't remember ever being as excited about books in hand, like paper, as he is. And while he spends plenty of time playing playing video games, because that's what his friends do and whatnot, he actually prefers playing board games. And, like, he's playing Magic now. And, you know, I remember buying my first cards in the mid-'90s and putting them away and being shocked when I see... It was, like, simultaneously a Vice magazine did a documentary on uh, the Magic scene. And then my son started, you know, getting kind of bored of Pokemon. Can we check out Magic? And it was kind of blew me away because I didn't realize there was even really still an industry there. Are, are you seeing like a resurgence in a lot of what? It's kind of a twofold answer. Um, there is a stigma of comic book shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times people think it's a bunch of, you know, 14-year-old boys, you know, looking at comic books and playing video games. And, and we have that, of course. Mm-hmm. You know? And of course, they've all grown older and either went to WPI or now write for the Telegram or Gazette. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what we're seeing a lot of and what you mentioned is it's fathers or parents or mothers who grew up on this stuff mm-hmm. and now they're introducing or reintroducing the stuff from their own childhood to their kids. We have a huge retro gaming market here. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Nintendo 64. And you'll be surprised the kids, the 10-year-old kids who come in here clamoring for cartridge games. Yeah. When the biggest things in the mm-hmm. world right now are supposed to be PS4 and Xbox One and Wii U, that's still popular and we still get demand for it, but it's, a, it's an older crowd that's looking for the newer video games. Yep. Anyone who grew up in the 80s who has kids now, their kids want they want to play with Mario. They want to play with Sonic the Hedgehog. And now, of course, there are companies keeping these, uh, these characters alive, mm-hmm. but 
for the more bang for your buck, you come in here and grab a Sega Genesis for 30 bucks and four Sonic games, you're still going to pay less than what you paid for one brand new Xbox One game. In, their, in a weird way, they, just again, as a parent, they, they're somewhat more approachable for a kid. You know, it's, I kept both my original NES and, and the Super NES, and I found right out of the gate that when we bought a Wii, brought a Wii, the, the Wii version of the house for my son, it was, it was almost a little too high speed for right. like a new gamer. Like it was had a really hard time figuring it out, but plopping them down with the old basic NES controller, Here's it just buttons, made sense. Fun. And <laughs> a, a couple of years have gone by, you know, the Wii U just works for them and whatnot. But I, I think taking a young person and inserting them into the, the contemporary sort of video game world, it's almost overwhelming. Like we spent a lot of time training our thumbs to we make did. things happen. And you're not born with that sort of ability there. It's we have a lot of people who come in and like, oh, I have a four-year-old. He wants a brand new 3DS. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I tell him is, well, good. He's, you're going to spend $200 on it. He's going to break it three days later. <laughs> Here, give him this clunky Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, he won't like that. He will like it. And he <laughs> probably won't break it as quick. You know? Mr. Game & Watch is really cool oh, if you've never seen oh, it before. Game Watch is great, <laughs> yeah. Um, one of our, uh, my assistant manager, Pete, here, his son's probably nine, I think. Mm -hmm. He's addicted to all things Pokemon, Nintendo. Um, he does the game. He, he actually watches, and I think this is a new thing. I don't know much about you might have heard of. Kids today watch YouTube videos of uh, people <coughs> playing video games Hours. and playing with toys. Hours. That's yes. the new thing. Yes. And people make money at it. Yeah. This, this is a, there was a wonderful video, and it's kind of related to this, but of um, young people, mostly teenagers, looking back, get, being handed like antique video games consoles and yep. stuff for the first time. Um, the girl that plays Arya Stark, Maisie Witt. Yep. Maisie, anyways. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams, thank you, I was losing the name. Um, you know, she's looking at this like 1980s console and they've mm -hmm. like never seen it before. So there is still some gap there, but I do agree. It's, I think it's the younger kids really that are more interested in the really old school now. Mm -hmm. Because, and I, again, I think a lot of it is the reaction. I think a lot of it is the texture. We don't really take that we take that for granted that so little in this world right now is, has a feel to it. Mm -hmm. It's um, a tangible sense. Yeah, you know, like music. Um, if, if you look at these consoles, they're even very featureless usually, these new games. Um, you, you just wave your hand in front of it and it opens. You don't even exactly. have to touch a button now. Um, but, you know, it, it's the same for everything. We have books on a tablet. We don't have to get a new tablet. We just download a new book. Mm -hmm. um, our songs are air, as the owner of um, Joe's Records mm -hmm. told me. You, there, there's the term, sorry to cut you off, record culture is huge it's right huge. now. It's really mm -hmm. big in um, the local colleges. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it, it, first, it can be attributed to the new technology. Most of the new record players have USB input. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you throw, oh. you, you throw your record on, you, th you, you rip the uh, to an MP3, the sound of a record, you put it on your iPod, and now you're listening to your record. But... That was what kind of the, the initial draw. Uh -huh. Now people just love listening to the records. Yeah. I know a bunch of kids here. When I say kids, get, get people I work with who are like 21, <laughs> 18, you know. Uh -huh. And they all have record collections. And, and, and it's insane. And it's funny because a lot of the albums they're buying weren't actually recorded in... Um, in analog? Analog. They were mm -hmm. recorded digitally. So the sound isn't actually all that much better. Yeah. Um, but... It's that, it's, that doesn't matter. It's the experience of holding it. It's yeah, the, the, art. the newest the newest record is a 1080 gram vinyl, I think, or yeah. 1080 gram P, and that's 
I guess it's the best final sound you can get. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, I was never, I mean, I had records when I was a kid. Sure. I know my parents had their hi-fi. Oh, God, this is showing my age. You had the uh, radio on one side, the record player on the other, and the eight-track tape on the other side. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. And then we had, a, we had records, but record sets now, you know, 1080 gram, double disc, you know, clear vinyl, $40, $50, $60 for certain sets, brand new. And these are these are new pressings of yep. old albums. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you a lot can of buy them at Barnes & Noble. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and new, new artists have taken this, and a lot of new people are doing um, album presents. Actually, I have a couple uh, friends in the industry, uh, you know, underground, hip-hop, nerdcore type artists, who just released albums on tape, on cassette. This is... I, I, have, I have only vaguely been aware of this, but this is just so bizarre to me that this um, is... Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, when they made the uh, soundtrack, the big thing in the movie, of course, the kid had a tape player, uh -huh. so they released the album on tape, and we couldn't keep it in stock. It was gone in less than a couple days. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, but the funny thing is, kids would buy it and go, cool, do you have something I can play this on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, um, last year was the first year this happened to me in all my years of, of reviewing music. It had been a record label sent me a local band's album on vinyl. Um, it was the band Secret Lover, in fact, the great, oh, sure. great Worcester band. Sure. Um, one of my favorite albums of last year. I had to email the label, and I'm like, how do I listen to this? <laughs> I, I haven't had a record player since 1990. Um, uh -huh. um, Which they, is nice to see some of that come back, though, not yeah. just for nostalgia uh, purposes, but. I mean, I, I still think about this all the time, that throughout my lifespan, gone from vinyl to cassettes to, I never really did anything with 8-tracks, but uh, the CDs, and now my entire music collection, which was you know, decent, it's in my pocket, my right. phone, yeah. which is great from a convenience perspective, but I don't really know where that ends. Like, I don't know where it goes. I miss liner it's, notes. Yeah, it's in a cloud somewhere. It's not, even on a, it's, it's not even on a hard drive anymore. It's just in the cloud, and... Everything streams. I don't really need to even own anything. I can just get bored with 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 a single and move on. Yeah. And, but I, I still will will never be able to go, have a month go by without having "Right Said Fred's I'm Too Sexy" pop into my head and stay there. And that's partly because I owned the single at one point in time. I'm going to admit that. Be thankful camera, you didn't own the Spanish version. I did. Oh, you did. did. Okay. The, the single <laughs> it actually it had the Spanish version and the English version. And oh, yeah. But the I'm having point, college flashbacks. I used to have a friend who worked at the Puppaginos, and I would go every Friday night, oh. and he, I'd clean up for him, and he'd let me eat all the free pizza I wanted mm -hmm. and give me free plays on the jukebox. I believe that the single I have is still in my mother's attic. I'm going to drag it out. We can come down here. We can do a, uh, a special Spanish listening uh, some night of this. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But I, I can't Excellent. remember many singles or just tracks that have come out in the last couple of years that have that kind of stickiness in my head. And I think part of it is that there is no tangible, there's no thing. It's yeah. just a, it's a passing moment or a passing idea. It's great to actually, there's an investment, that, a literal investment that goes into having a physical purchase that becomes part of your life. I might be showing my age or not, I don't know, but I still buy a lot of CDs. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we have the CD store next door, and a lot of times, I hate to say this, we're not sure how they stay in business because with, with, with um, sorry, iPod technology mm -hmm. and cloud technology, everyone's downloading things. You're right. Who's going to go take the time to pay $15 for a CD? But I go to like a lot of local shows and small shows in mm -hmm. Boston and Providence, and I just love picking up a CD and talking to the, the person and saying, hey, this is your album. Cool. Right. Can you sign it for me? And I guess that might be outdated. I'm not sure. Maybe it's final so. now. But... Um, I probably buy a hundred CDs a year. Yeah. You know, that's unheard of. <laughs> I think it is more like you're more likely to buy a CD from a live show than you are in a store at right. this point. 
and certainly over over Amazon. Yeah, I think definitely. If, if you're making the leap to order online, you're probably going to download unless there's some special deal or something. Yeah. Um, like you know, some special edition or something. Uh, but if you just want the music, you're going to download it. But if you see the band, you want the keepsake. Right. And that 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 act of music as artifact is really can't be overlooked. Um, I think somewhere along the way, our culture started pretending that things didn't matter. And I know that's going to sound horribly materialistic. Well, not here. Me. Things matter. Definitely, things that's matter. entertainment. But, <laughs> but we started thinking that everything in our culture was disposable. Okay. And we thought that that's what people wanted. And we were wrong. <laughs> that's we deep. want. I don't, don't mean it to be, but it's, but it's the truth. We want to hold on to our records. We want to hold a comic book. We want to hold a book. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, when we, we want to see the same Batman every now and again. Mm -hmm. We want the guy that's the Flash on TV to be the actual Flash <laughs> in the movies. Um, you know, we, we, we want there to be something that connects us physically and emotionally to the things that we love. You know, this is true. Like, I... To a great extent, I am super happy with the digital revolution. So um, I bought a book on paper actually today, which is weird, but I do a huge amount of my reading on screen on a Kindle. Um, I love like streaming music. Somebody's like, hey, the new Kanye West album is amazing. The first thing I think is like, well, I'm going to go on to Spotify and hit the button and, and, and uh, watch it. But something that I just got as a gift this week is uh, from the movie Magnolia, one of the rubber frogs that were used during the raining oh. frog scenes. There's the, Lots of these are kicking around on eBay. Usually you have 200 of them or 50 of them. Occasionally you can pick up single frogs. And like that's a perfect example where it's like, what am I going to do with that frog? Nothing. Do I have some sort of fake aquarium set up that I'm going to put this frog in? No. Is this frog going to be in the back of a drawer until the day I die and my heirs will wonder what the hell this thing is? Yes. But I'm so happy. That I have this frog. Exactly. This is such a such a such a such a uh, uh, yeah a way to touch something which is otherwise completely intangible. This movie that I love so much, <laughs> Magnolia. I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm just. I think what your point is 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 not just valid, but I mean I, I think it's something you could really break apart pretty easily too. That I mean you know at the end of the day, whether it's music, uh, funny books, great literature, whatever the case may be. I mean, you're talking about storytelling, yep. and not all of us are great storytellers. No. Uh, so, the, uh, you know, when it comes to a digital medium, it's, you can't just take your phone. Like, being able to actually hand somebody a CD or hand somebody a book, hand somebody a comic book, that's making a lasting impression on somebody else's ability to tell a great story and handing it off to somebody else. And I think that's the one thing the digital uh, age has not really been able to capture well is how to share that media. And I mean, I, I have bookshelves full of books that I misplaced their owners, right? I mean, someone handed me something and forgot to give it back and it's still with me. CDs, tapes, probably yeah. have a couple of VHS cassettes. I'm sure you meant no way. offense, but comic books can be great literature as well. No, of course they can. No, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, I, I was just making the comparison to ebooks and whatnot too, that I mean, it, someone's probably more likely to buy a copy of War and Peace and never finish it on a Kindle, right. or at least think they are, because it's easier than by going to a Barnes and Noble. Do, do we even have Barnes and Noble? Yeah, what do we, we have, have? We have one Lincoln in Lincoln Square. Plaza. Um, I mean, the only thing that passes in an independent bookstore in Worcester at the moment are here, that's entertainment, and. Um, and his book stop mm -hmm. over on James mm -hmm. Street, um, which has like the best Doctor Who collection of anything ever there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, there's the show into itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got books and action figures and toys and everything. They have. We have a they have the store. <laughs> that, that, that is important. That is important. Um, but the um, as I say, where's I going with this? 
Yeah, no, when we're talking about books and even newspapers, mm-hmm. I mean, I may always make the argument that, you know, when people are saying the all news is, the newspaper's dead, news is all online, I don't think people believe, completely believe anything they can't hold in their hands. <laughs> I think you could give somebody the mm-hmm. same story online and have, have them read it online and read it out of a newspaper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the story is. I think they will, they will, they will be more likely to believe and buy into the story if they're reading it in newsprint because they can feel. I it think in their that hands. deals with the age of the person reading it as well. That's I think true. it deals for everybody. Guys, do. we're out of time, no. but thank you so much. So today on the show again, this is five oh eight. If you have any complaints or comments, you can email us at pieandcoffee at gmail Brendan Melican, thank Thanks you. For Victor Infante of the Telegram Gazette, thanks for being on. And Chad Julian of That's Entertainment. We appreciate it. Here we are at the corner of Park Avenue and Lois Lane in the city of Worcester. All kinds of cool comics and toys and books and sweet other stuff. Everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.